Welcome to The Frenzy. I'm Melissa Carter. And I'm Jen Hobby. And here is our promise to you. The Frenzy is here to change the conversation around age. So that you can celebrate all your years rather than lie about them. Melissa and I once dressed up as Tweety Bird in a restaurant to make extra money in high school. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Jen. I never iron anything, but I dream about when I'm older and retired and I'm going to iron everything all the way to my bed sheets. What? (laughs) I love ironing, but I never iron anything. Because you don't have time? Yeah, because I don't have time. Who's got time to iron? Who's got time to iron anymore? I know, but you like it. You dream. Oh, it's like that satisfaction of vacuuming. Don't you have that? No. I can't stand housework. I cannot stand (laughs) it. It is a bane of my existence. To me, it's like clean lines and smooth. When I walk into the home and it's got (laughs) clean lines and everything is smooth that somebody else did. Jen, you want to be my wife? I mean, I know you're already (laughs) married, but dang. Second marriage proposal. (laughs) I love it. Coming up on today's episode, our featured (laughs) guest is Pam Muller, a spiritual director, dream expert, author, and educator. Pam is going to answer those questions that you have about those recurring dreams that keep popping up for you. And she's going to share some dream interpretation techniques and you'll hear why she is called sweet Georgia Pam. That's right. Plus Jen has a mirror mantra for the tone of voice that's inside your head. It's going to be Tweety Bird. Can you please tell me why did you dress up like two? Okay. All right. So I was the mascot in high school, my junior year. Okay. So I dressed up as the lion. I did not make the cheerleading squad, but I was friends with a bunch of the cheerleaders. So I tried out as the mascot and I got the gig. And so I was a lion and my sister thought, oh, well, this is a great way to make extra money. So she decided to become my agent. (laughs) And she got me a gig at a local restaurant in my hometown. And all I had to do was dress. I I just remember dressing up as Tweety Bird, walking around each table. And then I left. I forgot how much money I made. I think it was just 30 bucks. But she was so excited because she thought this was a new venture, a new business venture. And I pretty much told her that was that I'm never doing that again. So. All right. So let me ask this question as we move on from Tweety Bird. If you've subscribed to The Frenzy yet, if you have, thank you so much. We really do appreciate that. And we would like you to share the love, tell a friend about The Frenzy, because we want more women to enjoy these impactful conversations and real stories. So thank you for all your efforts. So now, Jen, what's going on with you? Okay, Melissa, the struggle is real with hair. Okay. And can I just tell you, It is growing in so many places that it should not be growing (laughs) and it's falling out in places where I want it. Okay. So can we just talk about this stage of life? Because what happened to my eyebrows? I have always had great (laughs) eyebrows. Okay. I have always had eyebrows that were nice and full. I never over plucked. I never over waxed and they looked great. Now they look like a balding man. Okay. (laughs) Like, you know, the guy who won't just admit that he's going bald and shave his head and he's got the patches everywhere. Well, I've got that version going on in my eyebrows now. What in the heck? Like I want hair there and it's all like patchy and I got to fill it in with all these fancy gels. Really? Yeah. There's one from Benefit Cosmetics. That's great. But anyway, I got to like fill in my eyebrows every day now. And I'm like, why in the world is my hair falling out in my eyebrows and then it's starting to grow on my chin 
<laughs> what yes. is going on? I don't need hair on my chin. I need hair in my eyebrows and I also don't need hair on my breasts. Don't need those. Uh, right, right, right. Don't need those that spring up every <laughs> once in a while. And I'm like, I got to go weed the garden and make sure. <laughs> ah, the, that the my spindlies. Husband, yeah, that my husband's crazy. They're crazy. They're, they're kind of yeah. curly and then they straighten out. Yeah. What weird, weird is shit. that? Then why is this happening? I'm like, I would like to keep the hair on my head from turning gray and coarse. I would like to keep the hair in my eyebrows growing. But it's decided that it is going to launch a rebellion against me and just start growing in places where I don't want it. Can I please tell you what happened the other day in the car? Of course. Yes. So please. I'm driving to Carline to go pick up my kids from school. I'm sitting there and it was a sunshiny day. It's like, oh, finally, we're coming out of winter time and the sun is shining and I'm so happy. And I just happened to like touch my neck for some reason. Maybe I had an itch or something. I touched my neck and I felt something. I was like, oh, that's weird. So I look in my little flap down visor. I flap yeah. it down, I open up the visor and I'm trying to look at this certain part of my neck and I'm like straining a little bit to see there is a black hair there that was like two inches long sticking <laughs> out from the side of my neck like a water spout <laughs> what the hell i was horrified and you know of course then you got to get you don't have i didn't have tweezers in the oh, car you try so use your fingernails yeah you're trying to your fingernails yeah, yeah you're like, like i gotta get this and all it does is like you know when you take scissors <laughs> at christmas and the ribbon and it scurls up because i have travel tweezers in my car for that reason, because some of my friends now pluck the normal hairs and the spindlies because the sun is the best light you can have. So they usually, if they're in their car waiting in a car line or in a parking lot or whatever, they usually pluck in the car because of the better lighting. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, why is this happening? What is happening at our age that, what? why is this <laughs> happening here? And I've told you in this off air. So I, as a kidney transplant recipient, have to take these drugs to protect my kidney. So basically I take drugs that suppress my immune system because mm -hmm. if my immune system recognized that kidney, it would try to reject it because it's not my natural kidney. So that's why I've been hunkered down during the pandemic because I don't have the immune system of everybody else. So one of the byproducts of one of those medicines I take is hair growth on your face. It is like goatee hair growth, upper lip, chin, the hair around the lip. I mean, it's full goatee. When I first got the transplant and that first kicked in, I tried to play. I would spend an hour plucking because it was Ouch. so much. Ouch. That is so painful, especially on your upper lip. I've done that once or twice and never it again. hurts. And the other problem with plucking is that you get ingrown hairs. Now, plucking your eyebrows is not as bad as when you pluck your chin, not to call these women out, but if you see someone with a lot of acne around their chin, especially if they're older, that's because they've been plucking. And when you pluck, sometimes the hair doesn't make it out the skin. It grows in the skin and it causes a pimple. So I was getting this terrible breakout on my chin. I went to a spa one time to get a facial and the woman at the spa said, I noticed that you have, you know, you have this breakout and you have a lot of hair down here. And she said, I suggest that you shave. She said, I know it sounds weird. That's what guys do, but you should shave and that will clear up the skin. And then she said, you would be surprised at how many women come in for a straight razor shave all the time. Really? 
It's more common to have this hair. And also when you shave, it takes that first layer of skin off too. And sometimes it helps reinvigorate your skin. There's people who do straight razor for their whole face to get all the peach fuzz off. A straight razor shave, the reason you see a bunch of guys back in the day do it, that lasts longer than the disposable razor. Anyway, so I have to shave the hair that's on my face due to my medications. And I do just like a guy and I use aftershave because I don't want to get the pimples. That's what aftershave is for is so that when you shave, you expose those hair follicles. And if a guy doesn't put aftershave on, that's where he gets breakouts. He gets bumps. He gets a lot of bumps on his neck and his face. Aftershave is there to disinfect what you just did. And my skin is smooth. I don't have acne anymore. And you have great skin. It's gorgeous. And I do it in front of my son. Like I have said to him, because I'm not going to be ashamed of myself. I'm not. I told Jen this off air because Jen and I used to take a charity trip with a morning show we were on. And there was one year we were roommates and I had to do this and I hid it from her because I did it in the shower because I was ashamed that I had to shave. I hated that you felt like you had to hide it from me. That breaks my heart. And then I got to the point where it's like, I have to be honest and not yeah. be ashamed. My son, he sh- he sees me do it. And I tell him, I say, most men do this. I said, you will have to do this. Most women don't have to do what I'm doing. But maybe but most okay women do. do, and they're afraid to talk right. about it. Like you said, that that right. facial um, person, the esthetician told you, you'd yes. be surprised at how many women actually come get a straight shave. And she knew what to tell you to do. So she obviously sees it all the time. That's true. It's probably a thing. And then years ago, I started to have like the random chin hair and I would just pluck it. But then it got to a point where I was like, I, I cannot do this every day. Like, I don't want to have to worry about this every day. So I did laser hair removal for it mm-hmm. on my face. It was not fun. <laughs> not even five minutes every morning and I'm good for the day. And the women that I've seen intimately don't care. That's the other thing, too, is there's the confidence in knowing that when I'm honest about it, the people that I'm with, they love you. They don't care. And so it's like, oh, I didn't know you had to do this. And then it's no big deal. It's helped me prepare for my daughters, too, because I have two girls. My older daughter takes more after my husband and his heritage is Hispanic. He is part Cuban, Puerto Rican. They have a darker skin tone, which is beautiful and darker hair. So my older daughter has darker hair and I I can see the little fuzzy coming in mm-hmm. already. And she's not self-conscious about it yet. But if she is, I'll know how to talk well, to what her makes about it. Conscious about it is somebody else pointing it out to her, right? Right. It's, it's when you get older in school that people start pointing out the differences in other people. And if you don't handle it correctly, that's where the insecurity comes in, right? It's not your home because ho- hopefully children are in a home where they're fully accepted. It's when they go out in the world and they start, right. oh, or mom and dad or mom and mom, are they right? Or is this person right? Like, because this is the person I'm trying to impress now. So you introduce the topic to your children in a loving way, and hopefully they'll make the right decision for themselves as they get right over. and accept themselves for where they are. And if they want to fix them, I'm all about being able to fix something if you can or have the right. means to, or you want to, or it's going to make you feel better. I'm all about being able to do that. For my son, he looks like he's going to have a lot of hair. He's going to be a hairy dude because he's already showing signs. We can't predict what's going to be in style when he's ready to date. So if a hairy chest is something that's in style, he'll have it. (laughs) He'll have full Tom Selleck. He'll have full Tom Selleck. I mean, the dude, I mean. (laughs) I remember growing up, my best friend's mom, single mom, and she had a picture of Tom Selleck in his underwear or maybe a bathing suit or something on her wall. And I remember seeing it as a kid like, wow, that dude is hairy. I guess she likes that. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it was Sorry. in style in the 70s and yes. early 80s and then yeah. it became out of style I agree with you. It's one of the things like you should have the ability to do whatever you want to because we color our hair. I mean, that's yeah. changing our natural self. I mean, there's so many things we we put makeup on. I mean, we do things to try to enhance whatever we are. So I have no problem with him wanting to remove hair if it's not in style. But that's the thing is like Katie and I are like, well, for us and how we grew up, it's not in style. But like you said, for the Tom Selleck's and the Burt Reynolds back in the day, it was yeah. very manly and very sexy. So Hair on the nipples is normal. I've I've plucked, I've plucked that. <laughs> the snakes. Um, the snakes. The, the nipple snakes. Nip <laughs> <laughs> now, my mother, I will say when she reached a certain age, she was fascinated. She had to pluck hairs and nipple snakes and all those things. <laughs> and then she got to a point where her hormones, and I forgot how old she was, but this is something to look forward to. All her hair came off. It wasn't alopecia is that what it's called it wasn't that it was just everything was fine but she never had to shave her eyebrows stayed in but her chin hair disappeared her leg hair disappeared her underarm hair disappeared and she's really? like i don't know what happened but she had the smoothest skin for like the last 15 years of her life and i thought oh i look forward to that yes <laughs> that's awesome not having to worry about it would be great yeah. so some kind of hormonal thing yeah. You know? Well, the struggle is real. See, we're honest. We're See, that's right. <laughs> we want you to really understand what it comes with this age. And we don't want you to be ashamed of it. We want you to be more confident in it. Thank you for listening to the frenzy and Jen's hair. -ish. And don't stare at her when you see her. When you run into her, don't look, don't look at her chin or neck. Especially on my neck. If I got one, well, no, I want you to tell me. Be like, girl, get that. Get, <laughs> get that off. All right. So next we're going to uh, learn how to interpret our reoccurring dreams with sweet Georgia Pam in just a minute. But first, let's thank our sponsor. Cancer sucks. And finding out your friend, your coworker, or your family member has it sucks even more. So of course you ask, what can I do to help? And then flowers are temporary, food doesn't feel like enough. Well, we've got the answer. Kick It Pajamas. Designed by cancer survivors and caretakers, Kick It Pajamas sells hospital wear and clothing for those undergoing cancer treatment. Kick It Pajamas and clothes are stylish, comfortable, and functional for care by medical staff. Give the gift of Kick It Pajamas to stylishly dress your loved one for battle. A portion of proceeds helps kick cancer off the planet. Go to kickitpajamas.com. That's kickitpajamas.com. Our featured guest today is Pam Muller, a spiritual director, dream expert, author, and educator. Pam will answer questions that you may have about that reoccurring dream and where do dreams come from. She's going to share dream interpretation techniques, and you'll see why she is called Sweet Georgia Pam. So welcome to the tribe, Pam. Pam Muller, welcome to the frenzy. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Pam is a dream expert and trained spiritual director. Melissa has been raving to me about your work <laughs> yes. for a while now. So I'm so <laughs> excited to have you here on the frenzy podcast. Perfect. I love this. Such a good setup. I'm ready to dive right in. Pam and I have been friends for years. We met through morning radio when I had a show and we were looking for a dream expert to come on because dreams obviously are something everybody's into. We found Pam. What a diamond we found. And so we've been friends ever since. And one of the things that I love about Pam is it's not like you get this dream dictionary, right, Pam? And you look through it and you know what every dream's about. Pam, your message is more about dreams can help you learn about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Dreams are kind of in that realm of imagination and intuition. 
intuition. So as we unpack dreams, you can sort of tap into your own knowing about yourself. And it's really powerful that way. So Pam, give us a little background. How do you become a dream expert and trained spiritual director? The honest answer is I made it up at first. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Not the spiritual director piece. I found my way to a training program that really like solidified what it is that this calling is for me. But in the beginning, I had this dark night of the soul life crisis. For me, it was infertility that just sort of broke down my walls of what I thought I was going to do and kind of playing into the good girl archetype of what I had like perfectly laid out for my life life was how it was supposed to be. And when all of that crumbled, I found myself pretending that dreams could make sense because my waking life, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. So I started diving into the imagery of dream work and I was really like, let's play this game. Let's pretend that a cardinal means a visitation. Let's pretend that this can have meaning for my life. And then it started to really have meaning. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's happening now? <laughs> How come nobody ever told me this? How come I didn't always have access to this part of me that could guide me from within? And so it just sort of snowballed because I started to build concretely a foundation that I could trust within myself. So it became this source of deep spiritual alignment for me. And it's a really fun topic. So no fun. <laughs> I, I found that people really wanted to talk about it and, and we didn't dive into my deep sad stuff that was going on in my life. People are like, oh, I have a dream for you. And I'm like, super, let's go there. So it just kind of grew from there. And then when I recognized like, oh, there's something to this that is deep and authentic and abiding for me, people should know that they have access to this within themselves. That's when I found my way to a spiritual direction training program. And the program I chose has a dream work component to it. So it just put it all together. I'm like, oh, now I'm sweet Georgia Pam in the world. Mm -hmm. That's my role now. Do you have to have a certain skill set or can anybody interpret their dreams? So anybody can learn to interpret their dreams for sure. If you think about the dreams that we have that get our attention, the prophetic dreams or the visitation dreams that really get our attention, those are from you and for you. And so just learning this like creative skill can help you learn to do the work on your own. What do you think is the biggest misconception about dreams for people who have not dived into learning the correct way to interpret their own? The biggest misconception is that they're not connected. They're random. A lion in an aquarium is just a random thing that I'm never going to be able to make sense of. That's the biggest misconception. The Mm -hmm. truth is that who you are in the dream is your can represent your ego. So everything that you are in waking life and control of. And the other aspects of the dream can represent what's emerging from your unconscious. So dreams can and do reflect your life struggles and they can inform how you address them. And most of the time people are like, I had this crazy dream, weird, right? And I'm like, oh, it's weird. And also there's so much more to it than that. (laughs) So how do we start unpacking our dreams? Like what's the first step? Dreams are made up of only image and emotion. And the emotion is the connection to waking life. So the first step is once you tell the story of a dream, ask yourself, what were my emotions that I experienced in the dream? And where have I experienced that set of emotions in waking life? And that'll get you started. Are the different images always representative of the same things? Like are the same symbols 
the same for you and me? Oh, that's such a good question. No. And yes, dream dictionaries are a starting point and they work because there is a general understanding of metaphor. What's the symbolism of a lion? Most people are going to think of power, pride, king, so royalty, but then the individualized part of it. And this is where I come in because the art the skill of looking at this artistically is really where the learning goes. So individually, what was the lion doing in your dream? And do you have any personal associations with lion or experiences? So that's going to start to tailor that dream dictionary's like basic idea to something more personal for you that's going to have a lot more meaning for you. It kind of reminds me of people who just read headlines, right? So you may not get the full concept of a story just depending on how you interpret the headline. So if you have a dream that really, like you said, emotionally triggers you, then it's worth taking the time to, to maybe doing a deeper dive into what's going on. You know, one of the symbols that I talked with Pam personally about that I misinterpreted was the imagery of exes in your dream. When you have dreams about somebody that you've been with in the past and there's always this anxiety like, oh no, why were they in my dream? Yes. Oh God, I don't I don't want them anymore. Why am I having sex with this person in my dream that I don't want anymore? But Pam, I was misinterpreting the fact that I was that that was about them in particular when that's not necessarily the case. Right. Characters in your dream represent the sort of character traits or qualities that you associate with that person. They're like a stand-in in a play for that particular set of qualities. Right. Oh, so that is so be. good. Hold on. You're going to have to say that again, because I think so many people I've heard so many people talking about dreaming of exes, especially during COVID. So say that one more time again, Pam, because I got to really get this. Yeah. So the characters in your dream are like stand ins for the qualities that you associate with that person. That's so don't so feel good. guilty. A whole new world. To whoever. <laughs> I mean, Jen's asking for a friend. Don't feel guilty to me <laughs> for dreaming about somebody else other than who you're with. It's interesting, but it's not always, to me, anything in the romance or sexualized area of the those exes. It actually comes back in a lot of forms of other negative emotions, anger, violence, uh, rejection. Those type of things to me come up more with exes than any sort of like lovey-dovey feeling. I kind of wish I had the Melissa Carter ex dreams. <laughs> those seem yeah. like a lot more fun. But, um, but Until when... you wake up and you're like, oh, God, who's laying next to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so interesting. So they represent different feelings. Like back to that image and emotion, they represent different emotions. Right. That's right. And so what you can do when one of those dreams surfaces is you can say, okay, what quality, what, what's going on in my waking life that is reminding me of the life lessons that came up with this particular ex, right? If it's the negative experience in the dream, it's like, okay, so my mind is going like, hey, pay attention. We've been through something like this before. So it might be that you need to address it differently, or it might be that you need to integrate qualities of what you learned in that time period to something in your life right now. This is so cool. And you know, Pam, the Frenzy audience is women over 40. And I think that we hit this decade and beyond, and we come into a place of more self-understanding and exploration of ourselves. So this is a whole new world. You know, it's like going beyond the self-help book <laughs> that mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with right? No hate on self-help. I love them. But this is a whole new world to dive into about self-exploration to fully understand yourself better. 
right? 100%. And dreams don't have an expiration date for how they can help you learn about yourself. And what I mean by that is you can actually explore a dream from childhood and it always represents the pattern of behaviors of who you were at that time. And maybe you can examine it and go, how far have I come? What was that saying for me back then? And how would it look different now? So dreams are with us for our entire lives. And so we can start working with them at any point and we haven't lost any time. Wow. Pam's enthusiasm for dreams has made me like reinvigorated by it. I even have started a dream journal at the beginning of the pandemic. It's interesting now that I have this documentation of what my dreams have been throughout this time. And there has been people that I have reoccurring dreams about who I have not been with. Who knows? Let me ask this question, Pam, about prophetic dreams or people who think they're having prophetic dreams. Again, is that a misinterpretation? Yes, and okay. is the answer to that. So so this is why I'm obsessed with dreams, because they are forever, like you can unpack layer and layer, just all these layers of meaning for you. So on one level, prophetic dreams happen. People have a dream. And then something happens in waking life that is either exactly what they dreamt or eerily similar to what they dreamt. So we can't say that dreams are only about us. The truth is our dreams are tapping into like the collective unconscious and coming through our personal experience to kind of surface into our consciousness. In addition to a dream potentially being prophetic, it also has symbolic meaning just for the dreamer. So there's like inexhaustible depths to go to. And what I like to do with somebody asking me about a prophetic dream is kind of put it back on them to say, did it feel different than other dreams? Or are you just afraid that it might come true? Those are two different things. Our waking mind goes straight to a literal interpretation. Our dreaming mind is never using a literal interpretation. Our dreaming mind is always giving us it's like personal parables, always giving a story that we can look at symbolically. Sometimes there's an element of both, but most of the time it's symbolic. Did I just add to the confusion? There? No, I have, I have follow up <laughs> questions. Like I want to go back to the concept of the collective unconsciousness. Jen talked about how women of the frenzy are not only learning about themselves, but maybe learning about possibilities they never thought about. They're comfortable enough in their own skin now to just think about things more in depth or analyze things uh, more deeply or logically. So talk about that collective unconsciousness, because I'm sure that taps into your spiritual director-esque mess self. Yeah, 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 right. And with the spiritual direction for me, it's like dream work. It was just like breadcrumbs leading me deeper into the woods, right? Of like, I kind of can't get enough of these dreams. And oh my God, sometimes they show stuff that I didn't know or I shouldn't know. And what is that about? And so I just kind of kept going deeper and deeper into the spiritual realm with it, just kind of like out of curiosity. And the truth about dreams is that that's where we are touching the mystery within us, right? Because let's just think for a second. Dreams come out of us, but we don't control them. I can't say I'd like to dream about flying tonight and have a flying dream. It doesn't work that way. So my ego is submissive to whatever comes up out of the dream space. That right there is we're touching the mystery within us. We're like getting teased into ask those deeper questions. 
what's in there that is greater than you. Now we're getting way into spiritual direction, but that's why, because when people start telling me dreams, most of the time, once they feel safe, they go, okay, I've never told anybody this, but, Mm -hmm. and then it is some mystical encounter that they can't explain. And it's like being awake to that. It's funny to talk about dreams, but being (laughs) awake to your dreams (laughs) and being awake to that. Melissa mentioned a dream journal. How do you do that? The first step is to just put something by your bed to write with and to write on. Or some people choose to use their phone and just do voice memo. And you just record your dreams when you wake up. There's no pressure to have a dream every night. You might just have one memory a week. That's okay. There's no average that you should be meeting. Just start getting curious about what your dreams are and then start writing down what you remember when you wake up. That's it. I have my phone by my bed. My dream journal ends up as always in the kitchen or the dining room or somewhere else. I will email myself. I'll email, you know, as soon as I wake up, I tend to be the woman who wakes up at three in the morning and stays awake for an hour before I go back to sleep. So I will just email myself and I will transcribe it back in the journal when I'm up later in the day. But you find the more you do it, the more you recognize what you want to write about. So in the beginning, you just you're getting into the habit of doing it. But now, as soon as I wake up and like, I know exactly what I want to write down, like I know what I want to remember or look back upon. And I tend to have more dreams or remember more dreams the more I do this. So it's really interesting how if you're willing partner, your body will answer. I couldn't have said that better. That's yes. 100% yes. And dreams, they're magical. They're fun. They're childlike and they're playful. And when you work a nightmare and you recognize that it's symbolic and not literal and you go like, oh, this is just about this other little issue. And it just kind of came up in this exaggerated form in a nightmare. It takes the power away from the nightmare and then it's empowering to you. And you're like, oh, it's not so bad. Oh, And then you're not afraid of the next one. And then it it just like continues to loosen the pressure and it just becomes the whole world becomes a little bit more magical. And the symbolism that you learn about in dream space can be applied to waking life. So that like synchronicity signs being sent to me through the day just becomes a much more playful, curious world. And that to me is empowering as a 45 year old. I can go like, oh, I am fully okay expressing that I see signs in waking life and my value is not at stake anymore. Like, eh, it's okay if you don't think about it. If you think that's too woo-woo, I'm like, I'm okay with that. Let's play. Why do you think that's woo-woo? What came up for you about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you can work with Pam. I mean, one of the things I've participated in Pam's slumber party, she has slumber parties, group dream interpretations, as well as single one-on-one. So explain the services you provide to people who are curious about this now. Yeah, I think you did it really well. So the services for one-on-one, you can do an email dream interpretation with me where you send me your dream and we can have up to two back and forth replies with interpretation and you can ask more questions. We can do a one-on-one dream call, a consultation call, which would be like a Zoom visit. The benefit of that is that you can talk about two or three dreams that have come together, or we can kind of get into whatever your questions are about sleeping and dreaming. I also offer dream circles twice a week, which is a small group gathering where everybody gets a chance to share a dream and I respond to those. And then we get to work one dream together and you get a chance to play the metaphor game for yourself and unpack a dream 
as if it were your own. It's a really powerful experience. And then I periodically have sweet dream pajama parties where we meet in the evening and then we all sleep virtually, have a virtual sleepover. And then we have a dream group in the morning to work whatever came up for us. And I'm constantly, oh my God, I'm on Instagram and I've fallen in love with reels, which speaking of aging, I'm like, I don't care if this is dumb. I love reels now. And I'm like, oh, cool. you got to teach us how to do it. Yeah, teach us, yeah. I will. I will. It's so fun. It's so fun. So I'm all over social media too. Awesome. And I want to touch on this because I feel like if we don't, we'll be missing out on a big thing that women want to know about is sexual dreams. <laughs> when you're having romantic dreams, what's that supposed to tell us? <laughs> So, and not about your exes, Melissa, not the exes symbolism. Okay. But just like, good. that's all I got now, Jen, that's all I got. I got nobody right now. So when you're sure that it's not just about somebody showing up to be a symbol of a different emotion, if it is just a physical dream and you wake up like, whoa, that was yeah. great. <laughs> what is that supposed to tell us? I mean, you should enjoy life. <laughs> you should let yourself sink into that dream and like relive it. That's the value of like having the dream space. It's so experiential. But dreams happen on like the physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental level. So you can look at it from all that stuff. But generally, it represents intimacy in all of its forms. Okay. So I would take that inspiring dream and I would move through my day and look for forms of intimacy in my day. What feels really in indulgent today? What can I give myself that feels like an intimate indulgent moment? Maybe it's having a talk with a friend that you just adore and haven't talked to in a while, right? So it's just intimacy in all of its forms, including the physical. Or your battery operated boyfriend in the nightstand. (laughs) I wasn't going to go there. Sorry, it's a it's a podcast. We can talk about it's whatever. the truth. Right? Yes, yes. This is me. We yeah. have to give it a rating, Melissa. Since I brought that no, up, no, no, no. But we're going to have to have another talk about when you have young children. The best ways to secure those, because I'm realizing I'm getting to the age where I need to probably secure that drawer. But anyway, lock it up. <laughs> Got to lock it because I don't have a lock on it. So anyway. Uh, Oh, so fun. <laughs> this has been so much fun. Sweet Georgia Pam, you are awesome. And there's something that we're doing with all of our guests called the Frenzy Five. Melissa, you want to explain? Yeah. So the Frenzy Five are five questions. Just first thing that comes to mind way we wrap up every interview. Okay. You ready? Here I'm we ready. go. Where is your cozy, happy place? Under my weighted blanket. What's your favorite framed thing in your house? My son made me a dream big heart to hang on the wall this Christmas as a surprise. What's your most memorable birthday? Maybe this one upcoming. I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a good answer. Okay. That's what every woman should say. My next one. That's exactly right. Uh, What's a daily routine or ritual that you stick to? I have an espresso machine and I make a latte every morning. It is serious. (laughs) And I've seen some of the Instagram posts. So yes, very serious. And then finally, what fashion trend did you jump on? Nope. (laughs) None of them. Not even as a teenager. uh, No, I was poorly fashioned as a teenager. I was just trying to stay unnoticed as a teenager. So members only jacket. There you go. I love it. Only, yes. <laughs> and see, only women of a certain age would know what members only is. Right, Fantastic. My brother even had the members only car seat covers. He took it to a whole new level. <laughs> 
Pam, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of this. I mean, I, I've taken lots of notes and I'm going to start a dream journal and we'd love to have you back again on the podcast or for a virtual event. We'd love to share more of your talents with the Frenzy audience. Super. I would love that too. I think this has been great. Melissa Carter, let's grab a quick question out of the box of You Don't Know My Life. All right. So here's your question, Jen Hobby. You ready? I think so. Ooh, I always get nervous. Okay. What's the most trouble you ever got into in school? Oh, I thought first the time I got grounded because I was so mad at my parents for not letting me go out with my friends that I just left. Oh, that was terrible. I got into the most trouble at home with that one. But at school, I actually am pretty proud of this story. I got detention and I think maybe um, even suspended for a day for fighting with another girl. At a girl? Yeah. I know. Tell but, me more, but say it slow. <laughs> <laughs> this was a middle school girl fight. And I remember the day like it was yesterday. So at my tiny school that I went to growing up, it was a very small class. We were outside doing projects. We were doing some sort of art project on these outside picnic tables. I think it was sixth or seventh grade. I was there with my friend Stephanie and a bunch of other girlfriends. And then there was a girl in class who was troubled. Now I look back at it. She probably had a tough home life. I think her parents were going through a divorce. She was tougher. She was often the outcast on a lot of different things. And so I think that just made her angry. And there was a lot going on in her life that gave her a bad temper. She decided she got her feelings hurt in some way. Anyway, she started picking on my friend Stephanie. We were using hot glue to put something together in art class. And she started flicking this hot glue on to Stephanie. Stephanie was, um, she ended up becoming this like professional tennis player, but at the time was like a little smaller than everybody else. And so I ended up sticking up for my friend and Megan was the bully's name. And Megan and I got into this like verbal altercation and we were like pushing each other around and I hit her. I got so mad. I hit her. Then we both got sent to the principal's office and we had to say what happened. So I got in trouble with school, but I never felt like I was in trouble for doing the wrong thing. Does that make sense? Right. Like I yes. had to be in trouble because of fighting. I don't think my parents were mad at me. And I honestly don't think the principal was that mad at me because I was sticking up for a friend of mine. No, I remember I would not it, have been mad at you. It was the talk of seventh grade and all the, nice. the benefit that came out of it is all the seventh grade boys thought I was awesome. <laughs> and I got a lot of attention from all of my guy friends that week. They were like, oh, yeah, man, you tough. You just swung and hit her. Now, as an adult, I look back on it and I kind of feel bad for her. I you feel bad. I then can, you could, yeah, then you could. Then right. I was just like, this girl is mean and mean to everybody and mean to my friend and I'm sick of it. Mine is not as uh, heroic. Mine is more pitiful. But um, <laughs> so it was a, I was a junior in high school, junior in high school. Mm -hmm. And and I normally was the good kid. Right. I was very easy to raise because I always followed the rules and I hardly ever rebelled. But in high school, I was in the closet and I had already been with a woman 
And a woman or another high school woman? Another high school woman. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. Another teenager. I was like, yes. Well, that sounds a little scandalous. <laughs> so anyway, that's another story. But uh, no. But the, my first was with a fellow teenager. And okay. Perfect. Good. This is like this is healthy. This is good. This yes. is not like the, your yes. first wasn't like some creepy teacher or something. My first crush was a creepy teacher. Yeah. So, yeah. But my <laughs> thank God that my first experience was with a good a, a classmate. We'd broken up. She'd broken up with me and she moved on to a guy. I mean, I'm the only woman that I know that she's ever been with. So she moved on with a guy and that guy, one of that guy's best friends, I think was in love with her too. Okay. Mm. Somehow he wanted us to skip first period to go to a pool hall and play pool. <laughs> and because and smoke she, cigarettes. Right. It's because she <laughs> was going, I was going because I was still pining for her, even though she was dating this guy. The guy wasn't in the picture. I don't even know if he went to our high school. So it was her and me and this guy. And I, there, there may have been a, another person, but I don't know who it was. Anyway, we skipped first period, drank beer. I don't know how the hell we got the beer <laughs> and, and played pool. And then we went to school. Somehow somebody saw us and told the principal. And so the principal pulled us all in. Ooh. And then I got home. I told, and then because our story was some, one of us broke down and the other one stopped to help them with their car. Nobody knew that we were coming from a pool hall. They just knew that we were suspiciously coming to school mm. at a later hour. And so when my mother questioned me about it, Millie Pete was always like, you know, one of my best friends. And I said to her, you tell me that I'm supposed to be a good Samaritan. I'm supposed to help other people. And now you want me to get in trouble for doing that very thing. You, you decide, you decide who I'm supposed to be. I said to my wow. mother, I didn't get in trouble. So I felt so guilty for so long over that incident that I confessed to my mother later. And I said, mom, I lied to you back when I was 17. And so, you know, she's like, well, how dare you? But laughed it off. Um, <laughs> But the funny, so the full circle, the funny thing is, I thought of that story recently because there was a guy, the guy who was in love with my ex-girlfriend, who didn't know she was my ex-girlfriend. He posted something on Facebook recently and talked about getting in trouble at school for that and then like tagged me in the post. That's the one time I got in trouble at schools because I skipped school to go drink beer at a pool hall to be with my ex-girlfriend. How redneck Tennessee can you get? <laughs> that's the truth. Now, Jen Hobby has your Mira mantra for this week. Let's pep everybody up. Change the tone of voice of your thoughts. Okay, you know how you can say the exact same words, but if you change your tone of voice, it means something completely different, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, I'm ready for what today's going to bring, right? Like sarcastic, like what's it going to be this time? Or you can mm -hmm. be like, I'm ready, I think, for what today's going to bring. Or it could be like, uh, I'm ready for today and what it's going to bring because I'm going to be stressed out. Or it could be confident, like, I am ready for whatever today is going to bring. So I want to ask you, how can you change the tone of voice of your inner voice? I've been practicing mm. this with myself this week because I've realized I have a need for productivity. I oftentimes place my value of myself on how productive I can be, how much I can get done for work, how much I can get done for my family, how much I can get done for this, how much I can... What can I check off my list? I'm a list builder. I like checking things off the list and I will place a lot of value on that. My inner voice... The negative inner, negative tone of voice in her voice for me says, why can't you get this all done? Let's go. We, could you just get it together? Why can't, why can't you get this all done? Like you have enough time in your day, get, it, get this all done. So it's negative. And so lately I've been trying to say, okay, let's change the tone of voice and say, you will get this done. 
you'll get done what's most important. Okay, let's go. Like almost like my own cheerleader inside, like, let's go. You got this. You can do this. And if not, it's okay. You're loved even though the to-do list didn't get done. It'll be waiting mm -hmm. for you tomorrow. It's okay. So I've been trying to really practice this internally that the tone of voice of my inner voice really matters. We have to be a friend to ourselves. So I want to challenge you this week to be a friend to yourself. And when the tone of voice of your inner voice is negative or you're being hard on yourself, try to say the same things, but in a new tone of voice. I just feel like that that can help you change the course of your week or just how you feel if you can mm -hmm. change that tone of voice. I don't think people are aware of their tone of voice in their head. That's the first thing is to become yeah. aware of it. And then you can change it to something more positive. I might not be able to overnight change my need for productivity and how I place that value on myself and wanting to shed myself of that overnight. But I can change my tone of voice around it. I can be my own little cheerleader inside, like, great job. You got that done today. Or you got this done today. Or you know what? It's okay if you don't get it done. And you're still lovable if you don't check everything off of your to-do list. I can change my inner tone of voice. So that's your mirror mantra for this week. I will change my tone of voice for my inner voice. I like that. What, you know, who are you trying to please? If it's you, if you're confident in yourself, then that tone of voice should be sweet and kind and graceful and friendly, yes. right? You can be your own best friend. You know, mm -hmm. I see this through my friends all the time. It's like, no, talk nicely to yourself because that's my friend. That right. is my friend who is talented and beautiful and awesome and deserves to be happy in life and deserves all the good things. You're not allowed to talk to her like that. You know, well, it goes back to your story from earlier. So Megan was the kid, the bully, right? Mm -hmm. And then who was your friend that you defended? Stephanie. All right. Megan and Stephanie and Jen. So Megan is the negative talk. Stephanie is your inner child. Yes. And Jen is the part of you that's going to change this tone. And it changed that tone of inner voice and and fight off Megan because Megan doesn't, sorry for all the Megans in our audience, but <laughs> Megan doesn't need to be there to to give you that negative chatter. I to love flick it. that glue okay. of negativity at you. Great analogy. Make sure you're, like Melissa said, aware of the tone of voice of your inner voice. And if you catch it, put it into practice to go, nope, that's not kind. That's not nice. That's too mean. That's too hard on myself. I'm going to go, you know what? You already did a great job at all these things today. You already are a great person. You're, you're doing good things. And, you know, changing that tone of voice, then it changes your thoughts and then it changes the way that you put things out into the world. And we all know the law of attraction. Yep. What you put out there is what you get back. So if your inner voice is getting you down and that's the energy you're bringing to the world, then what's the world going to give you back? We would love for you to subscribe to the Frenzy Podcast and leave a review. You can also sign up for our weekly email and we will send the episode right to your inbox. I know I have several friends who have needed help with the steps of getting a podcast on their phone. So now you don't have to worry about it if you just sign up for our weekly email. We promise not to bug the crap out of you. We'll only send one with the new show. So sign up at thefrenzy.com. And is there a friend of yours who would enjoy this episode? Please share this with her. Plus, we also have a brand new YouTube channel that is live with videos and extended interviews. If you like this show, please share about it. Send it to a friend. Tell them about the YouTube channel and share about it on your social media. Please tag us so we can 
share it as well. We would really like to thank some of our listeners that we have seen on social media interact with the Frenzy. Sign up for the Frenzy. April Carlisle, thank you so much for your support. Paige Rainwater, thank you as well. Teresa Thompson and Judy Perez, they did not solicit for that. We just pay attention and we really thank you for everything you've done for us. Soundtrack produced by Tammy Hurt for Placement Music, written and recorded by Placement Music creative team member Mark Daniels. The Frenzy's graphic design is by Helen Vickers and web design by Caden Jacobs. We thank you for the gift of your time. We know you have choices in making when being entertained, whether by podcast or anything else. So thank you so much for choosing us. We really appreciate you. Okay, until next week, trust your gut, use your voice, stop, stop lying, lying about, about your, your age. age. <laughs> We'll see you next time. Gotta close my eyes. <laughs>